Welcome to the AWPT Podcast, a safe space for personal trainers and coaches who want to learn, grow, and feel heard in the fitness industry. Each week, we'll bring you industry-relevant discussions on all things coaching, mindset, and professional development, empowering you with the tools to be a competent and confident coach. Alrighty, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the AWPT podcast. Today I am joined by the amazing Brooke from Healthy Hypes and an amazing trainer in and of her own right. And today we're going to be talking about the importance of nuance when it comes to coaching and how to help our clients create sustainable behavioral changes so that they can achieve the goals that they want long term. But before we do any of that, let me introduce you to Brooke or get her to introduce herself. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, what you love, all of that good stuff. Hello, everybody. So as um, Tara introduced me, my name is Brooke Matheson. I am an online personal trainer, female personal trainer, and also a mindset mentor um, as of the last few months, which is very exciting. So yeah, in my spare time, basically, I'm just in the gym doing recovery, working on business, all the fun things, going for hot girl walks, love a good coffee, um, just a very standardized, you know, girl working behind the scenes. But yeah, that's basically me. I've been working in the fitness industry for the last three and a half years now. Um, and yeah, done my degree in sport and rec and all the fun things. And was that something that you always wanted to do if you've been in the industry for three years is that like what growing up you knew you wanted to do we always like into sport or how did that sort of play out for you in your life yeah so super random I actually never wanted to work in the fitness industry it was never something that I grew up wanting to do I feel like a lot of personal trainers are just like I love fitness so naturally I wanted to be a personal trainer I was like I love fitness I was always part of sport was netball coaches played netball playing um growing up sorry and yeah was just always involved in sport like triathlon swimming literally you name it I've done it but I never saw myself as a leader in the space I never saw myself actually being a personal trainer until when I left high school I got given a netball scholarship um, which was absolutely amazing however it left me to study at the only polytech that was in my um, small hometown so Mm -hmm. all of the degrees there they were very um, standardized you could only choose basically what was there because they were outsourced through different universities um, through like Auckland and all the massive universities up north so the only one that really aligned with me at the time because I wanted to study psychology but they didn't have that was actually sport and recreation so that's how I ended up studying Mm -hmm. sport and actually ended up in the fitness industry I was um, a leader in the space but just didn't kind of recognize I was so at the time I was doing netball coaching for um, Nelson the netball clubs in Nelson doing junior coaching for all of the kids from primary school and everything so I was already quite a natural leader in the fitness space but I just had no idea until I kind of started studying it and I was like I actually really enjoy this I feel really aligned here and kind of just did the next three years and now here we are. I love that. I find with coaches, as you said, like it's such a 50-50 split of people that are like, oh, I've always loved sport growing up. And so like this was just a natural progression to me. And then other people like myself that like never really saw themselves in the fitness space or like weren't super sporty growing up, but then somehow fell into the gym and then somehow found a passion for it there. Um, And it's always, yeah, just so cool hearing different people's stories of how they sort of like got to where they are now. 
And then what yeah. about the, um, the mindset coaching? That sounds like it's sort of a natural progression of saying you wanted to do psychology initially and then you went down the fitness route and then you brought the mindset back in. Yeah, it's such a cool transition to actually witness myself in because when I was studying sport, I still just had this underlying thing where I was like, I just want to do psychology. I'm really just about the mental side of it all. I really just want to know why people are kind of wired the way they are and why they naturally do things and how they actually um, are progressing in their life and what that means and what they've done in the past. And all of those kind of questions always come to my mind. And again, naturally, I didn't really see that I could ever be a mindset coach in the space. And I think it is something that is very new to the world at the moment um you know in the last kind of past two years anyway and with online coaching there's obviously that huge mindset aspect behind it all why people behave the way they do with food and I'm sure we'll get into that very soon anyway um that's what the podcast is all about but yeah I honestly was just put myself in this little hole where I was like I can only do online personal training that's kind of what I'm in this space for and then naturally over the last few months I was just like actually I really love this mindset stuff like this is exactly where my heart wanted to be from the start of being in this online space literally from like five years ago I knew I wanted to do something with the mindset so that naturally just was such a cool progression from me to transition from online um, personal training to also doing mindset mentorships as well and yeah it, it feels so natural I took my first call in one of my mindset courses last night and that just honestly afterwards I was like holy like I am meant to be here absolutely (laughs) it's so true though because I feel like particularly with the online coaching because you're not physically with someone in the gym there's only so much you can do from like a, a technical perspective on the fitness and like you're not in there tweaking form like obviously you've got videos that you're going based off and you're doing all the programming so in that sense yes but so much of the online stuff ends up coming down to the mindset because you're sort of coaching Mm. them through okay well why didn't you show up this week like why didn't you do all of your exercises all right let's talk about what food you sort of ate and how that made you feel let's talk about your sort of identity or why your goals are the way that you are because it's so much more of just like a like a consultation kind of thing it does end up being so much more about you know the mentality so I can so see how it then becomes a natural progression and even when you're doing the in-person stuff I always like to like liken personal training or PT to like personal therapist because I swear that's what we end up doing nine times out of ten anyway (laughs) like yeah yeah, sure I'll count the reps for you or I'll attempt to because I'm not very good at remembering (laughs) how many reps we've done because we're talking about something completely different (laughs) that's affecting your life and I've just become the surrogate counsellor Absolutely. Yeah. And one of the natural progressions through that was actually doing the weekly check-ins because it's all good and well for Mm. me to ask, did you get into the gym? You know, how was your training session? But I can see that anyway. I see you guys log your workouts. I see your RPE from the workouts. Um, But actually, I want to know what's going on behind the scenes, because if you're not showing up in the gym, there's got to be something else going on that is obviously stopping you from stepping foot into the gym, whether that is anxiety, whether it's something going on at home, whether, you know, it's something in terms of friendships, it could literally be anything. And so naturally from those weekly check-ins, I'm like, I am asking so many deep questions that have nothing to do with fitness and nutrition. So again, I was like, I really held myself back from that kind of aspect of coaching for so long before I realized it for sure. Yeah, no, I love that. And because we worked together at the start of the year, um, you were coaching me. And that was one of the things that I really loved about your approach was not only in sort of the one-to-one check-in calls, but in the check-in forms that you sent out every week. 
um, it was those sort of deeper questions that really encouraged, you know, me and the rest of the people in the group to, to think about, oh, how was my, re- how was my re- really? And then I remember asking yeah. you sort of why you asked the questions that you did. And you said exactly that, that like, I can see in trainer eyes if you did the workout or not. I can see <laughs> how much weight you did. Like, I don't need yeah. to ask you that again. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it's so, it's so cool because as you said, there's so much on the back end that plays into the behaviors. Like there are identities yeah. that need to be sort of talked about and there are, yeah, things going on behind the scenes that impact the behaviors and the habits. So maybe yeah. instead of talking about the habits and why they're not happening. <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it really is about learning why you ended up with those habits in the first place because there's no way you're going to be able to break them down or essentially change them if you can't actually figure out how you started them in the first place because that's exactly how you're going to have to start a new habit as well so it really is just coming back to okay well when was the first time I actually did this and how did I actually get there how are we now going to be able to like unravel it and be able to start a new one and replace it for sure yeah incredible and so sort of on that note I mean I can hear and like the audience I'm sure can hear how passionate you are when you talk about all of this kind of stuff what would you say you're the most passionate about as a coach and as a mentor really just being the person who I needed when I was younger so you know growing up in sport you always had a personal trainer in the gym but exactly the same thing you kind of came in they did your session and you left you never really had someone in the back corner to talk about okay well how were you actually feeling in that session how did you feel afterwards like are you really drained this week because something's going on and when you are so young you're still in high school you've got so much going on behind the scenes that you don't actually know how to emotionally process as well it's so mentally draining which actually takes a huge toll on your physical health as well So I really Mm. just wanted to be in the space where I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be targeting young females, regardless whether they're like just coming out of high school or early 20s, I just want to be that powerhouse in this industry where it's like, you can come to me and I can hold you. I can like witness you and everything you're going through, be able to put myself in your shoes because I've probably been there before and just be, yeah, that really strong empowering female so other people can have someone to look up to. Because what I did find as well growing up I didn't actually have someone I looked up to. I never was like, oh my God, like that person there is just the person I want to be. I want to inspire to like, you know, aspire to be her. But I really had no one because even from netball, once I finished up netball, I didn't want to be like a silver fan. I didn't really want to go down the track of, you know, becoming a professional netball player. So again, I really had no person to look up to. So yeah, honestly, just being that person. I love that. I love that. And I know Kayla, the founder of AWPT, that's something that she says, a lot when it comes to like finding your ideal client as well is sort of nine Mm -hmm. times out of 10, the people that you want to coach and your ideal client is usually yourself when you first came into this industry or when you first found fitness. And like that obviously looks different for each person because as we said before, everyone has a slightly different story of like how they came into the industry. But yeah, I think it makes it so much more like it just makes that connection so much deeper and it makes that passion so much larger and greater because you're doing it for your past self and you've obviously got like such a strong connection to that sort of like inner child um but going back to what you said about wanting to be um that person that can you know hold your clients and hold that space for them how do you go about doing that because I think as we've said so much of the coaching that we do is 
is helping people when they're at their sort of like lowest or like they come to you when they've got issues. And I know that as people that are empathetic, which I think most coaches are because you kind of have to be to be in this space, it's really hard not to take on other people's energy. How do you go about sort of setting boundaries for yourself so that you can hold people when you need to, but you don't take home that energy with you? Yeah, this was something huge that I struggled with at the start of coaching 110%. And it actually hasn't been until about the end of last year. I really refined how I did everything to ensure I actually had the mental capacity to hold every single client because I got yeah. to a point where I was overflowing with clients. I had a wait list and I was like, I actually just physically and mentally cannot take another person into my world because I honestly just don't feel like I have the space to. And for me, that was a really awesome point for me to witness in myself was like, okay, you actually don't have the space to hold anyone. That's fucking amazing but at the same time like I want to be able to help as many people as possible so how can I kind of refine that so essentially mm. what I did was figured out how I was able to split up all of my client check-ins kind of across a week and just make sure that I wasn't checking in with every single person you know all on a Monday because what I was doing event uh, at the start was checking in with literally every single person on a Monday which would actually just take so much energy out of me imagine talking to 50 people on a Monday yeah. about the same questions and how they're going and behind the scenes it's it's extremely draining yeah. um from a, from a very positive overflow as well from being able to help people but at the yeah. same time it does take a toll on you so figured out how I was able to kind of split them across the week um just to make sure that all my clients are kind of on different coaching packages as well so some of them will get a more in-depth check-in other ones will get quite a superficial check-in depending on their health and fitness goals too um mm -hmm trying to think what else I do in the mornings I really just value my morning time I need me time to be able to process anything that I'm going through and just allow space to be created for them to come through for the rest of the day as well which is why you always see me in my sunrise walks I'll always be out and about in the gym in the morning um potentially on a Monday if I do have a lot of check-ins I would gym kind of midday just to make sure I can shift and move some energy as well just to make sure I always have a bit of me time in my day but it really is just about making something that they've said as well not really true about yourself because sometimes I feel like when you do take on what they're going through eventually sometimes you're like oh I can actually see that in myself or I'm like oh I could actually be processing that too and it's like okay no this isn't your issue it's their issue and yes. you can just answer it for them so yeah 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 because yeah, I love that <laughs> by the way if you can't hear it his voice is slowly fading so apologies for that um but I love sort of what you said about you know wanting to hold people and give them advice because yeah you're like you've most likely gone through something similar or or whatever it is but I think there are there are definitely boundaries on both ends there's you not taking on other people's problems and other people's sort of things that they're working through and then also how do you find the line between sharing to be vulnerable and to give them some degree of sort of relatability and also not mm. putting your experiences onto other people yeah that's a tough one because again you want them to understand exactly where you're coming from so of course examples yeah. is the easiest thing to go through and I honestly think my clients probably know more about my life than my freaking parents do or than my housemate does because <laughs> some of the examples I give I'm like I'm just so vulnerable and just open straight up however what I do is if I'm giving an example I always let them know how I navigated through it and how I've come out the other end because if you leave them with an example that they're like, okay, well, how did you actually get out of it? Because they're still going to be stuck in the same question if you give them an example, but still don't give them the answer. So it's just making sure if an example is given, the navigation is also given and the answer is always yeah. given as well. Yeah, I know. I love that. It's it's giving them a solution rather than just being like, oh, yeah, I went through that too. 
I haven't figured (laughs) out an answer. But although I do think that like sometimes that degree of vulnerability can be helpful as well, being like, yeah, yeah, like we don't have to have everything figured out all at once. Um, It can just be like, yeah, that sucks. I get it. We can go through it together. We can like traverse this this issue (laughs) together. Um, With that in mind, one of the things that I feel like you do really well at relating with your audience about is sort of your history with with food and nutrition and and all of that good stuff and exercise. Um, And you made a post the other day about how eating isn't just psychological, um, but it's also sociological. It's also emotional. It's physical. And it's like so many other things. What inspired that post and why do you think it resonated with so many people? Yeah, a huge post in itself, which was literally tightened down into like three little swipe things. But I can talk on it for hours because when someone comes into our world, they almost always come to you with some sort of a goal that is going to have to incorporate either tracking their food or being super aware of what they are consuming, right? Mm-hmm. So when they come in, I'm like, okay, well, how are you actually mentally feeling around food? Not many people actually understand they do have this attachment to food. And it's definitely something in the past that I didn't realize either. And it can either come from, you know, so uh, sociological, 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 yeah. psychological, um, and what's the other one emotional. what's the other one I put yeah emotional and so there's so many different attachments that you can have to food in itself in the past like for an example with sociological there's times where I would be out at the girl's house and we would be having a cheese board I would only continue to eat that cheese board if someone else was continuing to eat that cheese board but that's a sociological factor that I didn't actually understand that I was reflecting off someone else's human behavior and so mm-hmm. being able to actually reflect that back to clients being like okay so where actually are we in terms of emotional mental sociological factors in terms of food and they just go I have no clue what you're talking about so you kind of have to give those examples and be like okay so how do you feel in the social situation how do you feel when you're at home by yourself do you end up grabbing a whole jar of peanut butter and sitting on the couch or do you actually just feel okay with having one ice cream and going to bed so all of these little examples and then they can kind of start to pinpoint where they're at with their food as well and um yeah I thought I'm going on a tangent what's the question again (laughs) well no just yeah what inspires that process I think yeah you're so right there's so many different factors around food because the other one too that I think a lot of us don't think about is cultural like your cultural attachment to food um and yeah, that's where I think as a coach, understanding that everyone is different, has a different upbringing, because like we could very easily be like, oh, no, I don't believe in intermittent fasting, et cetera, et cetera. But then you're working yeah. with a client who's doing something like Ramadan and all of like all of yeah. that. There's so much nuance to it that you can't just like have a blanket statement of being like, oh, tracking is you know, really bad or tracking is going to help you or no, you have to eat six small meals or like whatever Mm. it is. There's so much deeper um, or it goes so much deeper in terms of that sort of sociological, cultural, emotional attachment to food that we don't think about and don't take into account. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, to officially answer the question, it was basically just because you get so many clients coming to you in terms of just wanting to jump straight into a deficit. I'm like, girlfriend, totally get it. Absolutely. We can like maybe in a month's time, but for right now, let's kind of figure out the underlying behaviors and actually figure out if a deficit's going to be the right timing for you too, because especially a lot of young females coming into our world, they're at university at the moment. So they're actually navigating a whole thing in themselves in terms of being able to find their true friendship group, in terms of being able to set boundaries if they don't want to go out drinking because it is a very heavy drinking culture at university just kind of naturally you're so young and getting into the world of it all and 
I've had a few clients come in recently being like, okay, cool, I'm going to do a deficit. I'm like, okay, but can we actually stick to it right now? Because in your social life, that doesn't actually align with a deficit right now because yeah. I would rather you go to make friends and have a really fun university first year than I would you yeah. literally starve yeah. yourself for the first year and be like, oh, my God, my first year of university sucks. I made no friends because I was doing this stupid deficit. Like, you know, it's always yeah. thinking about in the future as well how you're actually going to – kind of perceive and be able to understand what you were going through at the time because I've got a few people that go on holidays as well and they go okay well I want to stay in my deficit on holiday I'm like girlfriend you don't you actually just want to have the most amazing holiday and have those memories of going out to dinner with your um friends going for a few drinks like a few cocktails you don't want to be remembering about tracking your calories while you're on holiday so yeah exactly but I feel like that's the sign of a you know, mature and a responsible coach as well. Like it's very easy, I think, to fall into the trap as a coach of being like, okay, like this is, you know, your your client comes to you and they have a certain goal and you're like, okay, cool. This is how you're going to get there. Like you want the um, before and after pictures so that you can then market yourself as a coach. And like, there's obviously a slight emotional attachment for the coach of being like, I want my client to see results. But I think, as you said, like an, a, a responsible coach isn't just like, okay, cool. So you want to lose weight? Cool. Let's do it. Let's put you into a deficit when you don't know any of their background when it comes to yeah. their relationship with food, what they've, you know, done in the past when it comes to diets, whether or not that's worked for them. Um, but then also too, like having enough um, responsibility, but also sort of foresight to sort of see for them because you've traversed a certain journey to be like okay Mm. you can still get the results but I actually think that it's important for you to like develop this relationship and how can I help you develop the relationship with food and exercise in a way that's going to be the the healthiest rather than just being about the weight loss goal yeah and that's a huge thing in terms of the fitness industry you'll notice on my Instagram we don't have any before and afters it's not something we market essentially every now and again we will because they will be like an absolutely amazing transformation and we're like well we do just want to celebrate you in this but majority of the time we try to stay away from it because we aren't selling a weight loss program we're selling sustainable sustainable changes and we're literally selling basically a program that's actually just going to change your life for you to be able to leave our coaching and actually just be so confident in yourself and so empowered in yourself to step in and out of the gym. Like that's exactly what we're doing here. And, you know, like weight loss is almost a natural progression if you are going to actually just be fully committed to our coaching. Because if you're looking at wanting to do a deficit or anything, of course, weight loss is going to be a byproduct of it. But we aren't wholeheartedly just being like, okay, we're selling you girls eight-week programs to do weight loss. We're like, no, we're actually just selling you sustainable changes. That's what we're doing. Exactly. And I suppose that goes back to this idea of, behavioral change like that's what you're selling is you're selling behavioral change and you're selling an identity change rather than a a physical before and after photo um and so obviously in that post you you talked about why behavioral change is so important for people seeking results can you sort of expand Mm -hmm. on what you mean by behavioral change um and how this differs from just sort of changing small little habits yeah absolutely one thing I'll just preface is we're not dietitians so at any point we were like we actually can't help this behavior we will send them to a dietitian we know our kind of boundaries with this um but majority of the time they actually can just be 
change quite simply. However, there, there is a lot of fallback on it as well. So um, in terms of behavioural changes, what we'll look at is obviously what they've done in the past. So again, asking them if they've ever done a diet in the past, if they've ever held themselves in a deficit for a long period of time, um, potentially if they've ever had any eating disorders. I know a lot of people aren't diagnosed with them, but they've got underlying behaviours of them. So yeah, for a really good example about my, um, when I wouldn't, you know, eat in social occasions unless someone else was eating, um, you know, sometimes I would... I can't even think of another example, like take my meal prep out when I actually didn't need to because I wasn't in a deficit at the time. I could have just enjoyed my food, but I was so stressed yeah. about tracking. I'd take my meal prep out. So those, ty those types of behaviours, we can kind of pinpoint for the girls when they come in and we'll try to help them in terms of just being able to understand if you're sitting at maintenance, we don't need to track everything 110%. And this is a huge one yeah. because when they go out, their behaviour is, okay, well, I've got to grab my phone. I've got to track this. I've got to take a photo to show my coach. And they always come to me being like, oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't track this meal. I'm like, girl, it's actually okay. We're sitting at maintenance. We're allowed to go out and enjoy the pizza. We're allowed to go for a cocktail on the weekend. It's completely fine. And so those types of behaviours, they're quite easy ones to be able to change when they know they've got a support person and everything actually is going to be okay just to eat the pizza. That behaviour yeah. almost just goes in itself quite quickly, which is awesome. That's one that we can change quite quickly. Um, what other behaviours are there? There's quite a few of them who have a tendency to binge not to a point where it's like I'm binging you know five blocks of chocolate and everything in the house but just after dinner they'll still feel a little bit hungry and potentially you know have like a big bowl of ice cream with then chocolate and then they still go back to it for another serving and so those types of behaviors again come back to usually restricting throughout the day not eating enough throughout the day not having um satiating meals throughout the day and potentially just restricting themselves of the ice cream or the chocolate all week and then wanting to binge it on a Saturday Sunday again they're not diagnosed you know binge eating and again that would go to a dietitian but these girls are kind of just have that tendency and they're kind of on the borderline mm -hmm. of I'm restricting myself so how can we kind of come back and just stop restricting ourselves as well yeah, I love that because I love that you as a coach and, and for the AWPT community, as coaches, you're able to sort of see certain behaviors or see sort of mm. the surface level behavior, but then it's digging deeper into, okay, well, why is like, why does that behavior exist? Yeah. Um, and I love that one about sort of overeating a little bit for dessert. I remember seeing a post by a dietitian that was sort of, someone had asked a question about oh, what do I do to stop overeating at night? And her answer was maybe check in and see how much you're eating throughout the day. Because <laughs> yeah. nine times out of 10, it's because you're restricting during the day and your body's like, no, <laughs> I need to eat that. So it's it's yeah. not just trying to change the surface level behavior mm. of being like, okay, well, you're overeating at night. Let's, you know, and therefore your calories are over. Like let's drop the calories or, you know, let's whatever it is. It's being like, okay, well, you're overeating at night why yeah. and can we change something earlier in the day um, as a behavior um, mm -hmm. and then also I feel like again this is something that Kayla often talks about in terms of like this hierarchy of um, habits and sort of behavior mm -hmm. change and there's sort of like there's there's the the habits and the behaviors but then underneath that is an identity and so you can either go sort of top down and go you know changing the habits and changing the behaviors to therefore change the identity or you can go mm. bottom up and go straight to the identity and be like okay well what do you believe about yourself yeah. that is causing you to have these habits in the first place because at the end of the day that the identity is what people are wanting when they come to you saying oh yeah. I want to lose weight it's like because they have an identity around an idea of 
a thin person or a lean person or putting on mm. weight and identity around that as well. Um, and so, yeah, what can we do as coaches to hit the identity part rather than just sort of changing the surface level traits that are coming off the identity? Yeah, that's huge. And I would say almost finding that fear factor of why they started that habit in the first place. Because uh, previously for me, a piece that I held on to so strongly was that fats would basically make us fat. It's a belief yeah. I held on to for years because I grew up around my mum being very, very scared around fats. And essentially that only just came back to um weight loss organizations and you know all of the the newspaper articles coming out saying that fats are bad for us they're going to make you fat they're going to make you have diabetes and la da 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 but you know what like saturated or not saturated fats um healthy fats are very very essential for us females in terms of our hormonal production so that was almost a belief that I had to actually rewrite myself and I couldn't do that without the help of someone else I had to outsource in terms of a dietitian and also my online coach that I still have now who actually still helps me to this day because I still won't reach towards fats because it's something I still just subconsciously have in my mind I just can't kind of break through at the moment um however yeah in terms of just finding that identity piece to be able to hit that first because if you go straight to the habit they're always going to come back if you can almost substitute your habit then I'm sure like later down the track something's going to trigger it and you're going to fall back into your old habit so the identity piece is almost finding finding your triggers finding your fears finding your limiting beliefs finding everything you've almost been brought up with bringing Mm -hmm. that to the surface rewriting it write your whole story yourself and then move forward from there because again I will still fall back into the old habit of things but now I can actually realize it I can see it and hit it before it kind of hurts me as well so the more that I focus on you know consuming fats the more it's just going to come naturally into my life as well and exactly the same with everyone else the more that you can find your trigger find your fear the more that you bring it to the forefront the more that you're going to be able to actually change those behaviors for the prolonged period of time yeah exactly I think it's it's such a key piece that potentially a lot of coaches miss because they're just focusing on you know that the habits of of exercise or you know the technicalities of certain exercise or you know the habits of eating and whatever it is but really as we said when coaches also when clients come to us with a goal they have a certain identity associated with that goal and I mean when you do mindset coaching and, and even in this space, there's a lot of business coaching as well. One of the things that they're often talking about is this idea of sort of acting in alignment with your highest self and like what mm. would your highest self do? And that's an identity. We have an identity around our highest self in the same way that our clients have an identity around their fittest self or their healthiest self. And so they come to us saying, oh, I want to lose weight. But we don't know necessarily, unless we ask those deeper questions, what do you believe to be true about someone who's lost weight? And therefore, like, what do you, what is your identity associated with like your healthiest self? Because that healthiest self could be very different to our healthiest self. And so if Mm. we're trying to help them achieve that goal, but we don't know what's actually at the crux of it, then there's only so much we can do. Yeah, absolutely. And it's probably not until, you know, four, six weeks into coaching, something comes up and you're like, okay, there it is. I can see it now. But you just didn't know how to explain it. You didn't know how to express your emotions. You didn't actually know what was holding you back until you started with us. And we kind of do those weekly check-ins where it's deeper than just the 
did you train today? What did you consume today? Yeah. It's actually getting, you know, into the nitty gritty things. And then it will kind of come through to the surface. And you're like, there it is. I can pinpoint it. Yeah. I can see it now. <laughs> exactly. Because that's the thing is half the time they might not know what's exactly. the crux of it either. And so I suppose to wrap, wrap this up, how do you and how would you recommend as coaches that we dive deeper into those clients? Like what kind of questions are you asking or how do you develop the relationship with the clients that one, not only do they stay long-term so that you can get those deeper mm. layers over time, but even from, from the beginning, how are you creating that sort of emotional vulnerability and that sort of safe space for your clients that you can ask those questions and they can also feel comfortable enough to give you those answers? Mm. Well, naturally, like you said at the start of the podcast for coaches, you've got to have that almost empathetic, compassionate side to you for sure. But I also think it's a huge piece of you being able to show your own vulnerability as well. And I think that's something I do really well on Instagram as I do open up to a lot of my past journey and people can relate to it, but then also see me as a leader in the space and not just a relatable person in the space as well. Mm -hmm. So they'll be able to see, okay, I can relate to that, but I can actually see that you are now a leader and being able to help other people through it. You've navigated it yourself, so I can relate to that but I actually just want to be standing where you are as well so it's almost just kind of having that duality between being able to show up as the person that you are now but also still be able to pull into your past and help people understand that's actually something where you've come from because that's just a massive thing I think some people kind of almost pull into one energy or the other but being able to have the duality of both mm. is huge and in terms of client um, coaching relationships honestly just making sure that they feel comfortable in their zoom calls if some people are very hesitant around zoom calls as well because it can be quite a phobia of talking to someone face to face or yeah. talking on the phone and so I just make sure that they feel comfortable in their expansion if they don't want a zoom call we'll do a phone call if they just want a voice note that's completely fine as well whatever feels safe for them and that's something huge that I've learned in terms of coaching is that the coaching containers are all about them so you yeah. don't need to if they don't actually plug in if they don't respond to a message if they don't want to answer a question that's completely fine it's nothing to do with me it's all about them and so just being able to actually whatever every single client has a different behavior right so some people love tough love some people just love being absolutely told what to do like do xyz yeah. some people like to just kind of float in the background and just have a program so whatever is comfortable for your client that's basically what you have to do um, regardless mm. obviously you're going to have your structures with your coaching and what you can and can't do but they will figure out exactly how they want to be coached for sure and do you find that I mean obviously you've, you've sort of said that there are different ways that clients prefer to sort of communicate with you but do yeah. you find that the ones that see the best results are the ones that do show up to like the face-to-face -face zoom calls or do you find that some for a lot of people like being behind a screen they can be a little bit more vulnerable because like some people are scared of that sort of intimacy <laughs> Yeah, essentially, some people take like three goes to get into it. So you'll do the check in, they'll respond, and then you need to ask a third question to respond to their voice note to actually get to the depth of it. Some yeah. people will on Zoom just completely open up. Um, like I've had a lot of girls cry to me before because it's a very mm -hmm. safe space here that we hold for them. And like I cry to my mentor all the time as well. Like yeah. you just feel so <laughs> safe in your expansion. But yeah, I would say it's honestly whatever just feels comfortable with them. I don't think there is a way that the girls have. There's not been one type of client that has, you know, expanded more than the other because they've been on a Zoom or because they've only done messaging. I think each, like, each to their own, it's completely fine. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's so interesting. And I, and I love what you said, again, about, um, about creating that sort of duality between 
being relatable, but then also being a thought leader. And I suppose it goes back to what you mm. said at the start around um, like if a client comes to you and you then sort of give your own experience as an example, but only when you've sort of got a solution for them as well. And I suppose you can do that yeah. on the front end of, of Instagram of being like, oh, here's my sort of relatable story, but here's how I sort of got through it. And then that not only makes you, you know, relatable and makes them feel safe and comfortable and that you understand, but also immediately puts you into sort of that leadership expert role because yeah. you come out the other side of it as well. Um, yeah. So it kind of gives people the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose like on my Instagram stories, I do a lot of just writing stories. It will almost be a question, an explanation, and then an answer. And that's almost exactly the same in terms of coaching. If they come to me with a question, it's always like, okay, if I need to ask another question, I will. And that's the explanation. And then it's an answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting and it makes a lot of sense in terms of mm. like both content strategy, but also just as like a coaching strategy of, yeah. of yeah. recognizing it's like that whole sort of making them feel seen and heard by like reaffirming their question, being like, okay, so like just making sure I understand that this is exactly what you're asking. Here is my ex sort of experience with it. Here is what I'm hearing. Um, and mm -hmm. then giving the sort of solution. And then if that's not what they're sort of asking, then they'll tell you that but yeah I love yeah. that as opposed to just immediately going in with like okay yep I'm assuming I know what you're talking about let me talk yeah. about myself or <laughs> let me just give you a solution if you're not necessarily asking for one so yeah let's yeah, bypass yeah bypass all the hard steps and here's your answer it's done like yeah, you can't bypass exactly. anything like, don't even worry about it I've got the solution you just do this and then yeah. we'll be fine and then exactly. your, all your problems will go away <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Always got to do the hard work first, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I think that brings us to the end of our podcast today. I think that's it's been such an insightful conversation, not only into, you know, the importance of nuance as a coach, but also the way that you work and the way that you, you know, ask the hard hitting questions so that you can change you know, your clients' behaviours on a deeper level and mm. and give them sustainable and lasting change as opposed to being, you know, a, a transformation coach of, you know, an eight-week challenge. It's, yeah. okay, well, how can we make the the change long-term um, and and also on, on that deeper level as well? Yeah, yeah. This podcast has been so fun. It's gone so fast. <laughs> I know I know but that's how you know it's a good one when it, the conversation's just flowing it's like oh yeah and yeah absolutely <laughs> I love I what love you it. said yeah and <laughs> <laughs> so good um, so Brooke where can everybody find you if they enjoy this conversation they want to hear more of you how can they find you how can they work with you all of that good stuff yeah, so just Brooke Matheson on Instagram and then if you're looking at wanting to do one-on-one -on -one PT coaching through Half Height Amazing. And you coach a lot of coaches as well, don't you? Yeah, just naturally kind of progressed into that way. They all kind of came in. You're like, hey, I'm a yeah. PT too and I want to be coached by you. I'm like, cool, welcome. <laughs> yeah, that was me. That was me at the yeah. start of the year. And you're <laughs> doing the AWPT eight-week course at the moment, aren't you? Yes, I am absolutely freaking loving it, honestly. It's yeah. just been so fun and I hate not studying. So when I jumped into it, I was like, I love this. It's just where I'm meant to be again. But it's been so much fun learning all about the female physiology because obviously like at university, it's just so broad. So it's mm -hmm. already been hugely um, influential in terms of my programming already. And I think I'm in like week yeah. four or five. 
Sorry. I know it's a bit like that. That's it's like the kind of information that like once you know it, you can't unknow it. And therefore all yeah. of your programming changes moving forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even my girls have seen that. They're like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah. You're like, actually just bring those arms a little bit closer together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, so good. So good. So good. Well, I will have all of your links um, in the show notes below. But otherwise, Beautiful. thank you so much for coming on today's podcast episode. Team, if you did enjoy it, please um, give us a five-star review. Otherwise, we will see you in next week's episode. Thank you for listening to the AWPT podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends and fellow coaches and subscribe for weekly episodes and content.